0: I'm going to talk today about the Adventure, which is um, the name of our church. I call it the Adventure at a Crossroads, and I I do believe um, every church, um, a local church, we know that the church is the body of Christ at large. Um, those who put our faith in Christ, God does not. How many know that God does not look a sheet rock and mortar? Now, the people are the body, not the not the structures of the facilities. Um, but but the Bible is expressed as. People meeting in their homes and also the local church gathering together, which is what we are on a Sunday and the local church in the city coming together. Um, How are we at a crossroads? Well, I I really believe that God this season has brought us at a crossroads to say, are we the church that's going to engage the kingdom? Are we going to become that church that says, Lord, we want to pursue the will and purpose that you have for us, that we are to be a light um, to the city? that we're to be made an impact, that we are the presence of the Lord. Um, The Bible says that he is the head, Jesus the head, and we, just say it with me, say, we are his body. And just one more time, say, we are his body. That means we are to represent him. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you, and the foot cannot say to the mitochondria, I don't need you, right? And the mitochondria can't say to the RNA messenger, I don't need you. And there are different things within the cell and within the body that we are made up of. Um, you know, factually, we're an organ, you know, a bunch of cells together, but we're more than that. We, we also have the very soul of the Lord in us. And God has given us a soul that we are suke, that makes us alive. And how many are glad you're alive? <laughs> you know, and we get to live this life and be a light for the sake of the Lord. And God has given us purpose. And um, I'm going to pray, and I hope you pray with me, and um, we can ask the Lord, what is this church? What, what are we supposed to be doing, and how are we supposed to move forward? Father, we come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we come to you in his name. We thank you for the great Redeemer, um, who has paid for us by shedding his blood on the cross. Lord, that just as Paul preached, Christ and him crucified in the book of Corinthians, so we preach. Christ and him crucified nothing's changed and Lord we thank you that your body was broken in the, in the bread Lord, that we took for communion that it was broken not just in general but it was broken for us and Lord we accept that forgiveness that redemption and thank you that you came in the flesh Lord into your blood poured out in reality and we drank the wine and Lord now we put our hope in you as the body of Christ Lord, not in its totality, but in its local expression, Lord, that we would become like you and shine like you. We're grateful for the forgiveness of sins, but Lord, we also want to walk in the paths of righteousness. Lord, we want to represent your life. We want to be life givers, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, as we talk about these scriptures today and moving on in Matthew 16 and 13, that you would make that and Ephesians come to life. Lord, let those books come to life in us, Lord. Let your word ring true. And I pray for every family represented here, Lord, that you'd pour out your life and your grace and your mercy and your peace upon them. And we just receive the peace of the Lord. Just say, Lord, I I take your peace. He doesn't give as the world gives. He gives without asking in return. Just receive the peace of the Lord, the grace of the Lord. Maybe you've fallen short this week and you need God's grace. You say, Lord, Teach me to walk in your ways. And Lord, we receive your love. You love us, Lord, with an unending, everlasting, eternal love. Lord, and who can separate us from that love of God that is in Christ? Nothing. Nothing can separate us from that love. And we're thankful, Lord. So pour into us now. Make your scripture come to life. Lord, fill us with your life. In Jesus' name. If you agree, can you say amen? Amen. You know, the early word church really comes from the word, it's two Greek words. Can everyone say the word ek? Ek? It's not oh my heck by the way. It's ek. Again, ek. Ek, ek means out, or, you know, or from. But it, but in this case, it's clearly out. Out. Ek. And can everyone say klesia? Klesia. Ekklesia is a um, a certain um, a term, um, adjective, or I'm sorry, a term from the word, the root word kaleo, which is the word called. It's in its plural form. Ekklesia or ek kaleo, means, can everyone say called? Can everyone say out? Say, I have been called out. I have been called out. You know, the word election that you see in the scripture is also spoken like that, but it's it's spoken out or selected out or chosen out. And, and when God says he took his church and he called them out of darkness and into light, how many are thankful that God called you out of darkness? Amen. We'd be stuck in that same stuff that we're in. But God is a delivering God. Some of you might be in the midst of the darkness getting called out. And our prayers go with you. Let the Lord bring his truth and his grace to you. He is truth and grace. And then bring you to the fullness of the light. All of us are in transition and process. Would the church agree with that? That we are in the process. We are not perfectly holy. We are not exactly like Christ. But when we see him, we shall be like him. You know, in an instant, we shall be changed. But right now, we're being conformed to his image. But yet, we have a uniqueness within us. The same uniqueness that God has within him. He has put in us. So we individually are not the same. Just turn to someone next to you and just say, I'm glad I'm not like you. Go ahead. It's true. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be a bummer if we all looked exactly the same and we all had the same thoughts at the same time and everything that happened to us happened at the same time and we responded in the same time and it was just, you know, we were just a bunch of clones, you know, hello, I am I am a robotic person. Welcome. Do you praise the Lord? Yes. Praise the Lord. You know, we just be these robotic figures. Aren't you glad that God made us individuals? You know, and we are unique. But there is another element or expression that is said in the, in the life of the New Testament. And that is that the New Testament church isn't just a bunch of unique individuals. That it's also collectively considered a body and sometimes called a, a harvest or sometimes called a field. Or sometimes it's called an army. Or it's his people. We are his people. And we belong together. Amen? Now it doesn't mean we all want to live at your house. Okay? That's That's not the answer. We have our individual houses and we live together and there's a dynamic of the kingdom that's in your house when you're with the Lord. And there's a dynamic of the church that's just you. You are church. But we also are church. And that's the expression... I'm going to be talking about over the next three or four weeks to really dig into the New Testament and what it says in the Old Testament as well, and what it's pointing to is it's pointing to. But say it with me one more time. Say, "I am, I am. called out." I am. I'm called out. That's the church. I, because I think you know, I, I think of our modern day. <coughs> Excuse me. Could someone grab me water, like a small thing of water, if you wouldn't mind? I think what we think of church is the building or the structure. Like, are you going to church? You go, yeah, I'm going to church. It's kind of like you're just this human being and you go to this governmental nonprofit organization called the church. And, and, you know, we kind of serve the church. Oh, hi. What's your name? Want to go out? (laughs) Oh, that's my wife. Never mind. (laughs) Sorry, that was holy then. We are the church. Amen? Amen. Those who have put their faith in Christ, and you may not know it. Maybe you've put your faith in Christ, and you say, "Oh, well, I'm not part of the church. I'm just my own entity. But you're not. You may think that, but just because you think it doesn't make it so. It may make it so in your mind, but in truth and before God, it's not true. We are part of the church together. And the church is not the building. It's not the facility. It's not the adventure church. It's not just this location. The church is the people gathering in this structure. You know, we here together are the gathered church. Do I hear an amen? amen. And this is what we are, and we are called to be a light. You know, many times people will say, Jesus, please, I need, I'm praying that you would come here and do something. Just say it with me. Say, we are here. We are here. We are, here. We are his body. We are to be a reflection of who he is. Lord, bring healing. Why don't you pray for him and bring healing? You are the life of the church. Bring comfort. You bring comfort. You are his body right there. Amen? Amen. How many believe this to be true? The New Testament teaches this, okay? So we want the Lord. So I'm gonna start off with Ephesians just to get us started, and I'll kind of have this ringing through. You can put on that next text, and then I'm gonna be walking through Matthew. Um, I'm gonna be building on where I and Jody were in Matthew from the last few weeks before we left. Oh, I should say this. We went to Florida. By the way, we didn't spend the time at Disney World. We did spend one evening there in the Magic Kingdom. (laughs) And looking at all the faces of the kids, it didn't look that magical to me. (laughs) When I walked in there, it was kind of like, you know how you go there and it's kind of like, you see the rides and stuff, but it's like 90-minute wait. You're like... And this is how the parents are. And we, we got there at like six or seven at night. So we're like ready to go at seven o'clock and going, I think the parents are going to die out right around six o'clock. Right? And you can see it. The parents are holding their kids and the kids are. And then you get on a ride that's like three minutes and you see little animated figures doing this. Look at Johnny Depp and the Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, ready for the next ride. No, I, I like Disneyland, but I, I definitely was sick of it after about three hours. <laughs> I go, let's go. You know, and then, and then we had a pastor's conference where we had about four or 5,000 pastors from all around the world um, meeting, in, re- meeting right there um, in Florida. That's what I was saying. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah, but I stopped crying eventually. I'm just kidding. And, you know, we had pastors from... You know, New Guinea, from Haiti, from the Dominican Republic. You know, we had the leaders of uh, the the Ghana Church. You know, they actually are having church right there in the capital of Ghana. You know, right in the capital building, they have a whole big Christian church right there meeting. God is doing amazing things all around the world. In Brazil, you know, we have thousands of church churches. In Indonesia, you know, we have like almost 10, 11,000 churches over there, and it's growing like a weed. It is amazing. Do you know that the kingdom is advancing like crazy all around the world? The one place that it's a little stagnant is America. Did you know that? It's funny because we sort how many believe that God can do miracles? And he did miracles in the New Testament. And, it, and, and I was, we were talking to a pastor, John Bevere. He was one of the leaders um, that was, spoke one of the sessions, a morning session. I can't remember which one. But um, he was talking about how he was praying and he was seeing God do all kinds of things in these third world countries. But then when he comes to America, it reminded of him of when Jesus kind of walked to the city and said, you know, he didn't do many miracles there because there really wasn't a lot of faith. Not a lot of people expected much because they go, oh, that's Jesus again, isn't it? You know we know him, isn't he? Isn't, he the, isn't the guy who fixed our table? You know, he's that carpenter guy, right? And, and it's kind of like he's saying, in, you know, in America God comes to heal headaches, in Africa He heals blind eyes. How many want to just be hungry for the things of God? I'm not talking about being a fake church movement and just contending for the emotional and, you know, and, and just going off the deep end. I'm talking about just knowing God and expecting God to do great things. Isn't our God great? Isn't he awesome? And, and this, is, this is really at the heart of, of our, our um, a weekend. And so we, we you know, basically got to worship with about four or 5,000 pastors, like I said. And it's great worshiping with a bunch of people that are all sold out uh, for the kingdom and, um, and just leaders around the world. We had a great time. But I'll tell you what, it's good to be home. Well, as soon as we flew into Utah, I said, oh, thank God I'm home. Now I know what hell's like after being in Florida. I'm just kidding. If you're from Florida, I didn't mean to insult you, just your weather. Because as soon as you walk out, you got to take another shower. I don't know what it is. It's just, uh, you just walk out there and you're going, what, what's, there's something in the air. It's like, my gosh, is there something here? That's what I felt like. All right, now that I've insulted your home state. Ephesians 1.18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is, can everyone say, the hope? The hope. The hope hope to which he has, can everyone say, called you? Say, I am called. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance and the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Think about that. Glorious inheritance, immeasurable power. According to the working of, can everyone say, his great might? Right? That he worked in Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. How many know that the scriptures also say that we are seated in Christ in the heavenly places? How many know that? It says right there, it says it in the scriptures. And it says, far above, can everyone say, all rule. rule. One more time, all rule. All rule. rule. And authority, and power, and dominion. And above, can everyone say, every name. By the way, there is power in the name of Jesus, isn't there? There is power in the name of Jesus. And it says, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put, can everyone say all things? All things. Under his feet. Listen. And gave him as head over. All things. One more time. All things. One more time. All things. To who? The one more time. The to the church. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. This isn't given to some great para-church marketing department. This isn't given to, let's free the slaves foundation. This is to the church. This is the promise. All things to his church, which is his body. If you think about it, we are his body. It's a scary thing, isn't it? Go, what are you? I'm part of the body of Christ. You know, it, it, it feels like we don't look good enough. Except for the fact that it says, even in Isaiah, it says, there was nothing found in Christ's appearance that attracted us to him. That's one of the most remarkable things in the scripture is that, do you know that Jesus himself, when he was on the earth, wasn't attractive? You know, because, you know, I, I go to these high school things, and you hear young girls or young, boy, young, young men, and they go, boy, she's cute or he's cute. Yeah, well, you like them because they're cute. But what if Jesus is not cute? I mean, what if an ugly Jesus comes up here? And he doesn't have that long hair that you see in the paintings that don't look anything like him, right? You know, he, he looks, he's a small, he was probably short. He was Jewish. He probably had dark skin, dark hair. He probably had a lot of hair there. Probably had, didn't have this perfectly pardoned in the center. Long surfer Jesus look, right? <laughs> you know, cowabunga surface, you know, Jesus. Get you waving, you're sitting on heavenly places, right? That's not the one. So say it when they say, We are, we are. His, body. his body. We are his body. And and it, so we are the different parts. We're meant to work together. And and you know, it always dawns on me because whenever. You know, when you're just normally week to week, you spend time with your family, um, you know, hanging out with them, but we were all in one room, so we were with each other all the time. One of the things that reminded me of is our family is a lot better when we're all together more often. Do you think that's true of you? And our, I really believe that the body of Christ needs to take this seriously. We need to be the presence of Christ to the city, to the people around us, and all the different expressions. All things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything or all in all. Everything in every way, it says, fills you the NIV. Okay, number one, let's talk about this church. Number one, God plants his church. Now, Jesus comes to his disciples. He's done some miracles. We're already here in Matthew 16, 13. I'm going to backtrack to Matthew Um, where Jesus is kind of beginning to explain the kingdom of God in a few minutes. But this is the very first place that the word church actually shows up. And imagine Jesus sitting kind of there on the mountainside and his disciples have been following him around. He's done the feeding of the 5,000. He's kind of strolling around, just uh, leaving Capernaum. And and there he is, uh, you know, kind of sitting in the valley and they kind of crowd around him. And finally, Jesus Christ, the son of God, The Word who became flesh and the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1. And he says, who do people say the Son of Man is? He goes, I want to know what everyone else is saying. What are they saying? And they answered him, and they say, well, hey, some say that you're John the Baptist, because they know that he died, and maybe he's the reincarnation of him. He goes, others say that you're Elijah, like a great prophet from the past. You know, Elijah, you know, parted the waters, did all kinds of, you know, trapped the prophets of Baal, you know, led the children of Israel into times of promise, great discipler. And he goes, and still others said, you're Jeremiah, you know, the weeping prophet, uh, the one, you know, when they went into the Babylonian captivity, he's the one who warned them. He goes, maybe he's, maybe he's warning us of something. He's Jeremiah, or you've got to be one of the prophets, And then Jesus finishes with this. Most people know this text. And he says to them, he looks them in the eye. Imagine, he goes, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Go ahead and turn to the next slide if you would. He says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? When you see the picture of who Jesus Christ, not the photo, but the depiction of who he is and what he was. And Simon Peter answered, and if you know me, this is one of my favorite texts in the New Testament. He says, you are the Christ, which is the, the Hebrew equivalent there of Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. When you see the word like son of man, it, 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 it's a translation from the Hebrew, Amani," which is the human being. You are the human being who is the living God. You know, in, in theological terms, it's called the hypostatic union. He is fully God in fully man. And he says you are the Christ the son of the living God. And listen to Jesus replies he says blessed are you Simon son of Jonah. This is Peter Simon Peter. Listen to his answer. This was not for this was not revealed to you by man. He's go you didn't hear this from your dad. Your mom didn't tell you this. You know, you you didn't hear this on the Judaic news. You did not hear this, read this in the paper. This was not revealed to you by any human, but this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. That's a big statement. This was a divine revelation, Peter. Look at how he he introduces it. Blessed are you, you're blessed. How many want to be blessed? You know, did Peter seek out the blessing or did God give the blessing? He just gave it. And he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And that that word Peter there, it just means little stone. You're, You're like the little stone, but on this rock, on this bedrock of what just happened here, you know, on this bedrock of what you just spoke, that the blessing of the Father comes by revelation of who I am. He says, can everyone say it with me? I will build my church. And by the way, whose church is it? His church. Because people come, hey, I went to your church. I always tell them, I don't have a church. Amen. You know, I'm just another role like you are in this church. Okay. This isn't the Eric and Jody Van Ree church. We don't have a church. I'm the loser who got saved. Amen. But Jesus says, on this rock, on this foundation, I'm going to build my church. And I love this because financial institutions are going to fall. Banks are going to fall. Countries fall. America will eventually fall. But I'll tell you something. The gates of hell will not prevail against the life of the church. The church will stand. And sometimes people tell me, remember when the church failed? No. The church did not fail. That's why we're here. And still here. Amen? Because the church of Jesus Christ, the followers of Jesus Christ who put their faith in him, who have this revelation from the Father that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, will stand and as Jesus said, and I believe Jesus when he speaks, don't you? He says the gates of hell will not prevail. It will not overcome. It will not conquer. It will not take down. Okay, get the Amplified Bible and you'll see all the derivatives of the functional domain of that word there in the Greek. It will not overcome it. It will not prevail against it. It will not destroy it. It will not tear it down. It will not dissipate it. It will not make it transparent. It will prevail. It will overcome. How many say amen? Listen, the Lord plants the church. It's the way it is. Now, number two, and this is important, The church is surrounded by weeds. If you have a New King James or King James Version, um, they will translate that in Elizabethan English to be a tear. Um, But it is equivalent to some of the words, and I don't remember the exact word, diantolam, which is a weed, basically a weed in in, um, um, early Israel. Jesus told them this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So imagine you got this field. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to explain to you what the kingdom of heaven is like. He goes, it's like this guy. It's his field. Whose field is it? It's his field, right? Can everyone say it's his field? And he has this seed. Is it good seed or bad seed? It's good seed. And it says that he plants the good seed seed. In the field. Now, I'm going to tell you what the field is, is, because his disciples aren't going to ask what the field is. They want to know what the weeds are. He's going to talk about the mustard seed. He's going to talk about the leaven. He's going to give like seven analogies, but his disciples are only going to ask one question, and their question is, what are the weeds? That's what we want to know. Okay? So he plants these seeds first, and the Bible says that the field is the world. So the king, the son of man, is planting the good seeds in the field. That's what he's doing. And it says, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So an enemy of the owner of the field, he's his enemy. And he says, okay, I see the good seed. I'm going to plant something else. And right where the good seed is, he started planting bad stuff. And he just started planting this seed. And Jesus is going to explain that this is the enemy, the devil, that is planting it. And it says that the ones, what he's planting, are the sons of the evil one. He plants those amongst the good seed and the good grain, that which will produce fruit. Now, this is what's interesting. It says, when the weed sprouted and produced grain. Now, now, you don't see the weeds appear until the, the wheat starts producing grains. Something happens, and I'm going to tell you this. The wheat and the weeds look almost virtually identical. If those are familiar with this. They look the same. You cannot tell the difference was. Even with colors. There's a yellow and there's a green, but, but you'll see that they look the same. It's not till the one blossoms and produces fruit, that when the fruit comes, the stalk of the, of the wheat starts to bend and it kneels down. Some see that as a spiritual picture from the Old Testament where the wheat bows before the Lord in humility because of the fruit that the Lord has produced. And how many know that we're saved by grace through faith and this is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, but we are prepared beforehand His workmanship In other words, he has given us the grace of fruitfulness. I come, Jesus says, that you bear much fruit. How many know that the Lord wants us to produce fruit? And how many know that he's the one who does it? How many say amen? Amen. This is called the grace of God. And and it says, as as soon as you start to see the wheat bend, you'll see that the fake ones, they stay the same. They look the same. They look just like the baby wheat does. And the baby tears, they look exactly the same. But when the wheat starts to grow, it continues to look like a baby, except that it's because there's nothing in it, there's no fruit to carry it, it ends up taller than everything else. It's like it stands above the stalk. I'm going to show you some pictures of it. It's like it looks like it's really important, has all this influence. But the fruit, the grain that's producing fruit, starts to bend and hang like this. And you'll see that picture because it's producing more. And think about all the times when the Lord says, be fruitful and increase. I want you to multiply. And it's not just about having more kids. It's talking about God saying, I built you to reflect me, to, produce, to display Jesus Christ to the world. How many say Amen. That's why it says, verse 26, when the wheat sprouted and produced grain, can everyone say then? Then the weeds appeared because they looked the same. Then the minute the grain appeared or the cereal, it just, I wonder if it was Frosted Flakes. It could have been. No, probably not. As soon as it bent down, then you could tell where the wheat is. It appeared. There it is. There's the weeds. And it says, The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? I I thought you, I saw you. You were planting good seeds in the field. Where did the weeds come from? You can put the next slide. And this is the owner replying, An enemy did this. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? you want us to to just go out there and dig the weeds? And And he's saying, No, I can't. The root of those weeds and the root of the wheat are intertwined amongst each other. If you pull the weeds up, you are going to kill the wheat. How many are with me so far? How many want to make sure to go, I am part of the wheat field, sir? How many say amen to that? Okay, because this is not a, not a, this is an honest picture and, and we're not gonna pull punches here because it's in the text and so let it be. Do you want us to go pull them up? No, because while you're pulling them up, pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let us grow, let both grow together until what? Until the harvest. But by the way, this is why when, when people say, those of you who were at my end time series, when people say, oh, you know, we're gonna go be pulled out first, it goes against a lot of Jesus' analogies. Jesus says that both are going to be harvested at the same time, over and over again in the New Testament. But do your own research there. Let both grow together. Can everyone say, until the harvest? At that time, I'll tell the harvesters first. So, what's get, what, in fact, what gets harvested first? The weeds or the wheat? According to Jesus, it seems like the weeds get harvested first. One gets collected, and one gets gathered. One's collected and tied together. The one's planted by the enemy, planted by the evil one. That's Jesus' analogy. By the way, don't look at me and think to yourself, why are you being so mean? Jesus has loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Amen? And he is the one giving these stories to stir in us the be a follower of Christ, to receive his grace and goodness. Amen? And he says, I'll tell our harvest, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather, then, can everyone say then? Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Listen, I don't want to be burned. I want to be part of the barn. Amen? I want to be part of the storehouse. You know what I mean? Where God collects the first fruits of everything. The first fruits. You know, we are called the first fruits of the Lord. It's why we give God the first of our time, our talent, our treasures. It's not because we need kingdom things to be wealthy. It's because we are, by faith, declaring our faith in Christ. Yes, he is the first fruit and makes us clean. Amen? I got that other scripture by Jesus here. He Listen, because he uses these analogies a lot. He talks about scattering. In fact, when he's calling his children in the New Testament, he says, my scattered children who are in Bithynia and Pontius and all these different places, Ephesus, I'm the scattered children, I'm gathering them. Here Jesus says that he says, he who is not with me, like if he says, if you're not with me, Jesus says, they're against me. Whoever is not with me is against me. I've been against God, you know? And then God called me to himself. Praise God. Amen? And I always think God finds the biggest loser he can find. He puts him on the stage, doesn't he? He goes, man, if this guy can come, he can find you. Anybody can. Amen? And he who does not gather with me. It's like there's a gathering. He who does not gathering, moving the body. The, the children of Israel were put into exile. They were in Babylonia. They were in Samaria. You know, they were in, you know, in Persia. They were in, in the streets of Rome and Greek. And God was gathering them back together as his chosen people. This is my royal priesthood. You're a chosen nation. And he's gathered them together. And how do we become that chosen people? The Bible says you put your faith in Christ alone. Listen, religion is no help to you especially the religions of the world. We all fall short, amen? Anyone here pure enough to die on the cross for your neighbor? I don't think so. But we put our faith in the one who can, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, amen? He does not gather these scatters. Then he left the crowd and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, and they said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. I explained before, there's about seven parables in a row They don't care about any of that. All they want to know is about the weeds. And they they don't care about the mustard seed, the soil, the seed, the sower, nothing. But Jesus answered him the way he wants. He says, the one who sowed the seed, good seed, is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. How, How many, if you're a son of the kingdom, raise your hand. Just come on. Just say, I'm a son or a daughter of the kingdom. The, the word there, by the way, is not male. It's huios, which is children. You could say, change to the children of God, okay? Um, imagine that the Lord planted you in the world. Did he not? Amen? That's the picture he's given. I've planted them in the world. He planted the children in the world. Through conversion, through faith in Christ, they were in darkness and light, and they found the Lord. And now he doesn't take them to be with him. He leaves them there, their good seed. And then the Bible says, and that there are those from the enemy. Here he says, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is who? Is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. This is the picture that Jesus paints. That amongst this, and think about it, the wheat and the tares, they're growing at the same time. They're planted almost at the same time. The tares appear when the other ones produce fruit. Put on the next slide if you would. I think I have the pictures up there. Don't I? Yeah, there we go. So, here, you can see the tares amongst the wheat, and I want you to see the wheat is bent over like that. Do you see it bent? It's bent. It, the Old Testament makes this picture of the humility where all the grass and the fields are lowered before the Lord, and his people come before him. It's given in a great picture in Revelation 21 and Ezekiel 47, where he's then brought before the king, and they're bowed down before him, and the tares are kind of above everyone else, aren't they? But there's nothing to them. They have these little black tiny seeds that are in the tare or the weed. And if you eat them, it causes dizziness, nausea, confusion. It's like a light poison. You eat enough of them, you'll die. One of them is a life giver. The other one brings death. But yet sitting side by side, right there in the field in the world and here you have the center one you can see they're not exactly the same size but you can see almost they, they look the same but this is the this is the one that's producing fruit and here is the finished picture the tear continue the wheat weed continues to look like the baby wheat but the produced one the one that produces fruit becomes fruitful and plants others and produces and starts to spread out the seed. How many say amen? Amen. amen. How many are getting something out of this? And can, can I tell you, I, I know that the way the Holy Spirit works, sometimes I'll share something, but God is telling you something completely different in your mind. He's talking to you about your life, is He not? Isn't He communicating to the heart? It's the way the Holy Spirit works. He's, not, he's lined up with scripture. He doesn't talk just random gibberish. You can always count on the text. It's inspired, it's inerrant, it's infallible. But God will speak to you and make it an aptly spoken word. What's he talking to you about right now? What's he, what, these scriptures are to spur us on. If we are going to be the life of the church, let's be the real life, not just outward works, but inward power that moves out. How many say amen? Amen. Number three, and I'm almost done. Then I'll have Ira come up. I'm a few minutes late. Can I go just a couple extra couple minutes? Okay. If you have to get your kids, then go ahead and get them. I I will not hold that against you. Um, I will hold a bitter grudge. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) The church becomes the largest tree. Listen as he continues. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a plant man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds, when it grows, can everyone say it's the largest? The largest. This is an Old Testament analogy of the big oak tree that provides shade. To be the church in the city isn't just to have financial influence. It isn't just to be, you know, act holier than thou as if you gained your righteousness on your own. It is a stance of humility that says we are the field of fruit and harvest to the world. Yelling out to the world, come to Jesus. All ye who are weary and broken hearted. Whatever you think you've been chasing that you think the answer is, your fame or your next girlfriend or if you're the other way around, your boyfriend, it's going to be your next thing that saves you. Don't fool yourself. It's great to have a boyfriend, girlfriend and be married. God has that. But I'll tell you right now, your answer is Jesus Christ. He is our hope and our deliverance. The largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air perch in its branches. Just read Acts 2.37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They heard the gospel. This is the early church preaching the gospel. And he goes, brother, what do we do? He tells them to repent, to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins to receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, for the promise is, can everyone say for you? Can everyone say, for your children? Can you say, for all who are far off? Can you say, everyone, everyone. whom the Lord our God calls to himself? And there you have that word right there again, call. Ekklēsia, called out. Those that he calls to himself. The church is meant to be a great thing. Number four, This is just, what is the church? You are church. I am church. We are church. I'm going to read this, my last verse, and then we're going to close. All right, you can come on up. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is the end of the, really the beginning of the prophecy, beginning spoken with Daniel, now coming through Isaiah and Jeremiah, a conquered nation. Jeremiah is in captivity, and he's speaking these words of life, and it's not gonna happen now. In fact, God calls the false prophets out by them telling the people, we're gonna be free in a couple years, and he's going, no, you're gonna be in captivity for 70 years. That's how you're gonna do it, no false prophecy here. 70 years, you're gonna be in captivity, but then I'm gonna break you out. And then we know that Christ's going to come from that seed. But this is fulfilled in our New Testament. We become these people. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope in a future. Can I just encourage you? God does not want to harm you. God wants to give you hope in a future. He knows you. He knows your soul. He wants to bring freedom and deliverance. His commandments are not there to be brutish, instructions but a guidepost like google maps helps you get where you need to go he gives you these commands so that you'll find life and enjoy it amen and listen i'm all right here done you will seek he goes then you will call upon me and come and pray and i'll listen to you you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart i will be found by you declares the lord and will bring you back from captivity i will can everyone say gather you I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished, scattered you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place which I carried you in exile. Why don't you close your eyes and we're going to respond here. Father, first of all, Lord, I know that this is a serious word. This is a serious text and we're not going to take it lightly because it'd be irresponsible to just kind of blow past it. And Lord, we're not going to put our hope back into our own works as they somehow um, defy the book of Galatians, which says we didn't receive the Spirit by what we did, by what we believe. We put our faith in you. But Lord, I want to say, Lord, that you are calling your church to rise up in humility, to rise up in fruitfulness. There are many of you have walked with the Lord for a long time, but you've just been attending a church Let's go to this church. Let's go to that church. Let's get a little bit of food and kind of move on like scavengers. You know, as we're in some apocalypse and you're just gathering a little food to get you past. You are not to come to church. You are called to be the church. That means when the people come here in the morning, when people come to the gathered church, you are there to greet them. You are there to serve the people. You are there to be the light, the good seed in the world. You are the one who is called to be an influencer. And maybe you're a young person, you just graduated and you're about to meet with a, a counselor who's gonna show you you know, where you fit on an Excel spreadsheet. And I'm telling you that God knows you. He's the one who designed you and he put a calling and a purpose in your soul. That is what you have to answer to not a spreadsheet not the world's institutions but to the call of God in your heart in your soul and say yes lord here i am listening i answer the call if that's you just answering call to the life of the church just answering that we just stand up all over this place all of us just say lord i answer the call to be who i am to be that wheat that's going to produce fruit in the field that I am part of that big grain of field called the life of the church, the kingdom of heaven that expresses itself through people to say, Lord, I am that light. Just answer it. Not to me. No, I'm not looking up at you. Father God, we present ourselves, Lord, and we say, fill us. And just invite the Lord. Say, fill me with your spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Lord, baptize me with the power. Fill me, Lord, with your calling. The anointing that's from on high that I can't conjure up in the heart, in the human heart, but I need the power of God. The rama that falls from heaven, the manna, Lord, which is Christ. Fill me, Lord, with that knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, just open your heart.